Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Dolly. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Baller Boys Podcast. I'm your host and today in person with me is Rahul. Whoop whoop. Hello. And Kaiza. Hello, hello. So the guys, this is the first time we're actually recording Let's go. in person yes, together. Yes, I'm staring right? at Mrs. Eyes right now. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm going to admit I'm a bit nervous lah. Because, like, I'm going to see your reactions. First date, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to see all of your reactions in real time. But at the same time, hopefully, the podcast is more engaging. Yeah, no like lag more. from uh, Rahul's Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. No Wi-Fi issues, nothing of that sort. <laughs> I don't um, know what you're talking about. So, today's podcast, we are going to discuss a lot of things. Uh, firstly, we're going to cover the Chelsea crisis. And then we're going to do our usual reviews and previews. So, in the review section... We're going to cover teams like Arsenal, Man City and Newcastle. And in the preview section, we're going to talk about United's upcoming fixture against Leicester and as well as Liverpool versus City, the big game. So to kick things off, um, how about we start with the state of Chelsea at the moment? Um, who wants to share some line on this? Raul, Raul, you're quite knowledgeable on this topic. Um, yeah, knowledgeable because, just because I've been doing a lot of reading, right? And if you think about wow. it, nice. Roman Abramovich's <laughs> influence on football, right, is arguably one of the most, uh, I don't know, I don't know the term to use, sort of, uh, what do you say when a big change comes along? Yeah. <laughs> so like he, the, I get, I get yeah. what you're saying. You know what I mean? The influence, mm. like when you break it down, right? So I think if you ask anyone, most sort of uh, famous person in the last 20, 30 years probably say Sir Alex Ferguson in English football. Mm-hmm. But the way someone has influenced the way Premier League football is played now, for me, that's a problem. Because he was the first wave of big money, right? Uh, he was the only wave. Who, yeah. Who was, you know, who else no, was I mean, there? Man City came on uh, uh, later after, on. Yeah, after, yeah. All subsequently. So, yeah, yeah. Abramovich was only, that first. Only as a consequence yeah. of him coming and saying, we can do this. I can come in as an individual yeah. and pump this type of money. money yeah, everyone's like, whoa. This club. Who yeah. would see before him? Yeah, I mean, you they, know, were, like, they were, fought, you know, somewhere I would say similar to Spurs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that sort of state. But never challenging for... But never yeah. challenging. Yeah. So I think that's why it was, when you actually sit down and think about it, right, the influence he has had on England and English football and maybe wider in Europe as well is massive. Absolutely massive. But the current state of play is obviously with, you know, everything going on between Russia and Ukraine, he has been identified as one of the oligarchs who are pro-Kremlin. You know, people, uh, you know, it's not for me to sort of comment on that assessment. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's what's been uh, the view of the UK government and now the EU as well. Because of that, he's faced multiple sanctions. All his assets have been frozen. frozen one of them being Chelsea Football Club. Because of that, they've been given a special license, you know, because the government does have an interest in Chelsea Football Club going on as a football club. So it's quite a sticky situation. So there are certain things they're able to do and not able to do. So currently, you know, as it stands, 
with Abramovich technically still as the owner, you know, they're able to fulfill their current fixtures. People who already have season ticket hold, season tickets are able to attend games mm. and they're allowed travel costs up to about £20,000, which if you think about it, is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Actually, a private yeah. charter plane, you know, which they often do for European games and stuff, is about 40 k for a team. Double. So now, yeah. easy jet. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's why uh, Tukul was saying, right, he'll get a seven-seater yeah, 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 yeah. and take the players if he needs to. I mean, you think about it, right, their wage bill is $333 million per annum. So, we're talking, that's you know, this is huge, money. huge money. So, the things they're unable to do, they're not able to sell more tickets. So, people outside season ticket holders, which is a significant part of the stadium and their income, they're not able to sell those. They're not able to sell merchandise in the club store. Club store has been put on hold. And more importantly, from a footballing point of view, they're not currently they're not able to sign players in the summer, and also they're not able to renew their contracts. And this is, you know, when you actually look at the players who are out of contract in the summer, this is a big issue. Rudiger, Aspilicueta, Christensen, you know, they're they're quite stocked as centre back, but you yeah. take three of those no, out, yeah, that's a that's a big issue, you know. And this is quite like, I mean, nothing like this has ever happened before, like stopping a whole club. It's just like basically a standstill. And then, no transfers, nothing. Like, I think no one really knows what to expect. But now, like, the next step seems like there's a lot of bids coming in and they want to get it sorted as soon as possible. I don't know if the sanctions will be lifted straight after the takeover. Yeah, see, what I don't understand is now the sanctions are on him, okay? So, the proceeds of when the club, you know, eventually gets sold, it goes to him. No, it doesn't, right? It's in it's it's a frozen account that goes. So that part I'm not clear on either okay. because obviously the whole point of the frozen sanctions is they don't want him to get the profits well mm, any yeah. cash from the sale because yeah. in their eyes obviously he's you know the money is going back to, yeah. to Russia the I don't know fuel whatever is going on. But then he's the one making statements like oh yeah I'm gonna yeah, give it give the money yeah to the he donate to the war um, war victims of Ukraine war, yeah. and all those kind of stuff so. It seems like he has some control of the money and where it's going. I think this is one of those times where it's a lot of assumptions, it's a lot of speculation. Mm. We will never I don't think we'll know what is actually yeah. going on. We will never know if he's actually, you know, in cahoots with Putin. We don't know what those ties <laughs> are. Is yeah, there, yeah. It's no point commenting, but I think from the football point of view, mm. right? Chelsea are probably too big to fail uh. you know there's always that fear of them going administration I don't think that will come to fruition uh. no lah I think this one yeah. is just a temporary blip it'll, the new owners will come in and then yeah. it'll be like I nothing the, ever the happened the government the Premier League all of them won't let it happen as well yeah, they'll find yeah. a way to sort exactly. it out like he's hired the rain group to handle the bidding process so they're looking to finalise the bidders by end of this week and if everything goes according to plan by May Chelsea will officially have a new ownership already so I think so far what um, Tuchel has been doing I think for the in front of the media I think he's been doing a, a very very good job I would say as like a spokesperson for the club handling, he's the, going, questions, yeah, handling the questions things like that so props to him nah. but, that, but that's something actually yeah I agree 100% Tuchel has done super well and you know he's handled it very well but where is the people um, in between you know uh, I believe Why is, leave it it Bru- is it Bruce to him? Buck is it? and is it Mar- Maria I can't remember the names now but those are senior management in between Abramovich and Tukul, you've not heard a peep from them. You've not heard a word from them. Yeah. This poor manager is supposed to be just handling football Taking side of things. Hit, He's yeah. having to face these questions about, which he shouldn't have to. Yeah. You but know? it always happens like that, right? Because those people actually are not contracted to say anything, but like, 
Tuchel have to do the pre-match, post-match, and that's where the journalists obviously will ask all these questions. And players as well, they've been performing. You know, yeah, they're Chelsea are playing in well, the Champions actually. League. That you know, they've won their games in the Premier League since then. So I mean, that that you know, everyone may have people say, yeah, they're professional footballers, blah blah blah. They should get on with it. But I think under these kind of conditions. Mm. When you don't know your contract situation yeah. in the air, wages are in team, question. Yeah. To perform still, despite all this, I mean, definitely you have to give them some credit. Huh? So I think we've spoken enough about the Chelsea crisis. Hopefully in the next pod, we would have some clarity as to who are the bidders, like officially, like most probably going to take over the club. So until then, let's move into the review section. So the first team that we're going to review uh, are Newcastle. So we're going to look at the games they play against Chelsea. Uh, and against Everton. And uh, I think overall, Eddie Howe's impact, I think it's quite evident yep. that he sort of turned it around. And um, even I'm surprised, actually. Yeah, like, we were all uh, questioning yeah, why Eddie Howe. Yeah, why Eddie Howe? <laughs> like, why not someone else? Why him, yeah. right? But, you know, props to him. I think he's done uh, a very, very good job, actually. The way that Newcastle play now, completely different. Yeah, You know, it's not the Steve Bruce football. And, uh, yeah, it's quite exciting to watch. Even I, like, sort of enjoy... Watching Newcastle yeah. games now is different. Emery was actually their first choice. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Howe was up there right? as well. And they actually saw mm. a lot of um, what they wanted to have in the club in him. Also, Emery turned them down. Definitely plan B. Uh, but he was definitely high up the list, uh, apparently. And yeah, I think it's just such an interesting story, Newcastle. There's so much to actually talk about. Uh, but in terms... If we focus more recently on their form, uh, they were unbeaten for eight games until the last two games, which they lost, which were very close matches, uh, Chelsea and Everton, both 1-0, very late goals. Uh, but yeah, they came from relegation zone now, four places above that, with nine points ahead of their relegation zone. So, like they said, big turnaround. Wow. Really good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. I mean, you remember the sentiment during that time? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, we were saying they'll go down. I was hoping they'll yeah, go yeah, down, yeah, especially yeah, after the takeover happened. <laughs> but I think from a personal point of view for Eddie Howe as well, right? After what happened with Bournemouth, I think the general consensus was that, you know, oh, he's not, he wasn't a very good manager because, you know, they got relegated and yeah. obviously subsequently what happened. But yeah. in my head, I don't know, maybe... maybe this is my sort of view on it, but he took Bournemouth from a League One side to the Championship to the Premier League, and they didn't go down immediately. Yeah, they stayed they had there a few couple seasons. of seasons. Yeah. Not and not only that, they were playing attractive football. Yeah, you know, I remember them beating Liverpool four three once. The Fraser Wilson, the Fraser Wilson combo. Josh King, you know, he was doing good stuff, and I think from him, from a personal point of view, from a CV point of view, he must be looking at this by being like, you know, this is where I really proved that that wasn't a fluke. Yeah. that I'm actually, you know know what I'm doing so good on him like, you know, I, I, I've always quite liked him as a manager actually yeah it's very interesting now that he has the funds uh, now yeah. he can really prove his worth uh, yeah. get the players he wants hopefully of course that will take time like, you know, it's not going to yeah. happen in the next I think roughly yeah. where Newcastle want to be I think we can actually see it maybe 4-5 years time like, like yeah. a tip top squad you know with all the money invested I think that's when you can yeah. see it, like, if they're allowed to yeah, with the new rules. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're you're changing right. the so, FFP to something else, apparently. Yeah. There was news that came out. Yeah, today, you sent so it on the group, right? Sustainability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. might be just a version 2.0 of the same yeah. thing. Fair, fair. So what has changed, actually, Kaiser, from your point of view, like from the research that you've done? Yeah. What is it that Eddie Howe brings? Well, from a non 
tactical slash technical football perspective is something that's been evident is the unity and togetherness that he's really focused on. Uh, there's a lot of evidence of that. I mean, after the games, as cringe as it sounds, he takes like a whole squad photo with the kit man and everyone, even though they lose, wow. win or draw. So nice. Yeah. Huh? So and we still haven't taken our photo <laughs> with the three of us. <laughs> That's what we need to do, uh, to avoid relegation from the Malaysian football podcast league. Uh, yeah. So they, he wants to foster the enjoyment of uh, winning. He says all for one, one for all. So it's really this unity and togetherness. So I think similar. There's some similarities to a Klopp in that. Maybe not to that extent, but you can see that um, in Klopp's time, the, the togetherness in not just the team or the squad, but the whole uh, football club, they're really backing the direction that the manager is bringing them through. So I think that's what he's trying to do and it's working so far. Uh, but to give him credit, also a lot of tactical changes. Um, I mean, compared to Steve Bruce, I think maybe mm. it's a <laughs> easy comparison to, yeah, to, make, to, to become better. But fair, fair. yeah. They're playing a lot of front foot football. He demands a lot more off the ball, the pressing. Uh, so San Maximan is someone he's working on because uh, his work rate is pretty low compared mm. to the others. Uh, similar to a Zaha for Palace, I would say. Um, and full backs. So he hired, not hired, sorry, he bought players based on what he needed, which he wanted okay. full backs to uh, be attack, essential right? and join attack. So Trippier mm. he got. Uh, Guimarez, who's really well known for his uh, ball retention and bringing up the ball in midfield. So he bought him. Um, and so yeah those are the, um, some of the changes uh, that have been done so they usually play a 4-3-3 yeah um, I think but against Chelsea they were a bit more defensive with the 5-4-1 mm. but even that game also I think they played pretty well I think they were quite unlucky you know they, yeah. play, they did play well yeah. yeah I mean it's a big golf like, you know between Chelsea and of course of course, of course. The, the, the thing I wanted to make a point of is it's all well and good signing all these plays in January but so many times we've seen it doesn't doesn't necessarily work it doesn't necessarily translate into results yeah you know i remember spurs when they sold bail and they got in like six seven players mm. that summer <laughs> they, there was so much yeah and they like yeah. regressed i think yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, you know i mean so again credit has to be given to eddie howe and i think they brought in brighton's Dan director Burn. of football and the oh, yeah oh, Dan Burn as well football. and the director of football yeah. is very highly rated so, from my point of view, right, we already got one state-owned powerhouse in City. But these guys are possibly not making all the mistakes that City did in terms of recruitment, in mm. terms of hiring, not necessarily a star manager, but someone who can do a job now, which is scary. Like, you know, it might, we might see the progression much quicker than previously with City, for example. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good yeah, point. I think still actually. early days to judge him, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the signs are very positive. So, you, you want to talk about some of the key players? Yeah, I think we mentioned Guimarez already. Yeah. Uh, so, he they call him like creative number six. Uh, so, he was a futsal player growing up. And wow. He claims that it makes him uh, think quicker than others. Like, like you love this. Clang Valley's finest. Yeah, we, uh, he has a uh, great uh, close control and passing. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Like, man, like, like you can really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he's 24 years old. He's expected to be a huge, huge signing for the future. But before he started last three games, it was the three Joes. John Joe Shelby, Joe Willock and Joe Linton, who's been a massive surprise. Apparently, um, there's T4 football. They're going to release a video soon. But like apparently, all his stats so far shows that he's like one, 
one of the best number eights in Europe uh, since, Ooh, he, since he started playing there, Joe Linton. Oh, Joe Linton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see that video, but I was like, wow, <laughs> what a transformation. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that midfield has been um, key to uh, uh, Newcastle's um, basically revival. What I'm quite excited to see, actually, I mean, we mentioned one of them already, but the two best players, if I had to ask you guys, right, before this Eddie Howe transformation came, I have to ask most people, probably say ASM. Yeah. And Maybe Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, Callum yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Wilson and ASM. La. Correct. Yeah, and we haven't seen the best of those. That's why I'm really excited to see. Because mm, those two players are back. the type of players where you say like, shit, if they're on a better team, team uh, be then you know, yeah. Especially Callum Wilson. Because yeah. all he, he's just, what he do you think of a classic goals. number nine, like yeah, Ruben yeah. Destroy and just knows he's where he's in the box, la. knows where the goal is, right? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he's been out for eight weeks now. So I'm very excited to see what he does with those two players. Whether he plays Chris Wood up front. Chris Wood with him. It's a lot of things actually. The squad is it's yeah. quite stacked now, you know. And very interesting, their corners have like vastly improved just buying two massive fuckers in wood and Dan, <laughs> in wood and Danburn. Yeah. So Danburn yeah, is literally yeah, yeah. six foot seven and so they literally lump it up to him and <laughs> like, something monster, will happen. Yeah. yeah. But it'll be interesting to see next season, like in the transfer window, I'll be very, very mm. interested to see who they bring in and will they be able to attract the top top talent or not? Yeah, you know, because Gumarez is like was a highly rated yeah, talent from yeah, Leon yeah, yeah, that yeah. He, they picked up. So I mean, yeah. this that was so early days, and he was willing to come ready. So, yeah. but that's the thing, right? You see, the difference between having money and being a mid club, and having money and being in the Champions League. You know, there's a there's a big difference in attracting players, managers, whatsoever. So, how long do you think you know it's gonna take for Newcastle to sort of attract top talent? What do you think? I think that's difficult to answer. But again, the only parallels you can sort of compare it to is City, la, you know. But I would say Newcastle are a much, much, much bigger club than City were. Some I'm sure some people argue that Actually, even yeah, now, that's very fantastic true. fan base. Yeah. St. James Park is one of the best grounds in England, if not yeah. world football. They've got so many things already there for them. That's why it's very scary. They are potentially, you know, not just a team where we think will be on the periphery for very long. I think with everything in place there, players will want to play there. Why? It's a great ground. It's a great crowd. True. Where I think they'll really start to show in the next few years is maybe not necessarily signing the best young talent, but maybe they'll have a lot of luck in making free transfers. Yeah. You know, we're seeing a lot of uh, good players seeing out their contracts now. Mm. And that's definitely somewhere where Newcastle can say we'll pay 200k, 300k above market I've seen even mm, you know yeah, Salah's yeah, yeah. agent has said Salah doesn't mind staying in the Premier League if he runs out his Liverpool contract there were two places I can see that could afford him would be Man City and Newcastle that's it in Fine. the Premier League even if you look at worldwide maybe you add one more team in PSG that's it yeah actually you know? yeah and someone who's 31 years old Mohamed Salah why not why not you know scary thought so they are Upcoming fixtures, they play Spurs away, mm-hmm. they have Wolves at home, Leicester at home. Yeah. So how many points do you all think they're going to get out of this? I think they can get one win over that. Yeah, time, I actually think they can yeah, get one Yeah, regardless, I think... Or maybe two even. Regardless, I think they look like they're safe from uh, relegation just because there's uh, such poor teams yeah. below them, I think. Right then, I think uh, energy levels are a bit low. So we'll just take a break and then we'll come back with the next fixture. Uh, which is uh, Man City that we want to talk about. Catch you after the break. (laughs) 
So, Man City title leaders, sorry, table leaders, is it league leaders? Both lah, all, all, yeah. all three, all three, <laughs> la. okay. all three. Nice, you so, got the Indian. We're going to look at their uh, latest two fixtures. So, they've played um, uh, United, they thumped United 4-1. Oof. And then, uh, they played uh, Crystal Palace and they drew that game. So, let's look at the first fixture that they played, which was against United. Um... I would say United's record overall at the Etihad has been fairly decent. You know, they've won quite a number of games there at the Etihad. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 2021. They've actually won okay, in the Okay, league. okay, we, we okay. We get it. We get it. But, you know, those games, they sort of approached it more cautiously. Like, they... Just defensive, basically. You know, they didn't want to try and control the game or, you know, try and dominate possession whatsoever. So, they've sort of, you know, somehow nicked it every time. That game where Shaw had a haul. Do you remember? Ah, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, That was yeah. a masterclass. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a hit and run, bro. But that's I benched him in Fernandez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why I remember that game. <laughs> so, but this game, this season, I mean, United were, you know, a bit more proactive. They wanted to gain control, as Ragnik would say, it, uh, in the game. And it just essentially played into City's hands, you know. The first half, uh, I had to give it to United. I think they played pretty well. Although we were uh, 2-1 down at the time, I think. And um, yeah, we just thought, okay, maybe second half something's going to happen. But They're so sloppy see. at the back, man. Yeah, you can see. After he had the equaliser, Sancho, right? Yeah, such yeah. A good goal. Yeah. And, and then, then after that, Rumble. it's all stupid errors, you know. Yeah, not yeah. In, yeah. Exactly. So more than City, City are a good team in general. Like we've, we've said this many, many times. If you want to get a result against City, you have to be perfect. You know, you cannot be shooting yourself in the foot or else that's it, lah, you know? And that's essentially what United did. Yeah, they're waiting for you to make mistakes. And then... Yeah. And even possession-wise, yeah, first half, I think possession was almost 50-50, you know? Which I was I was quite surprised. I was like, wow, we're actually doing... We actually got some possession lah, against City, which is yeah. very rare, you know? But you could see second half energy levels. You can, you can just see it's so obvious. Towards the end, it was what? 95%? Hey, no, no, no. What was it? 90% or 10% something possession, right? Last, what, last uh, 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Oh, I, I guess when you're 4-1, 3-4-1. Yeah, that was, it was like a training match already at that time, you know. City were just so, so dominant. And um, to talk about the game in itself, I think City, as we all know, they play through uh, their uh, wide players a lot. I mean, they play from their flanks and it's all uh, down to Cancelo. Um, majority actually there's a stat where 41% of uh, City's attack come from the left in, in the uh, across the whole season but against United in that, that fixture it was 51% uh, attack from the left hand side from the left hand flank who was playing Wan-Bissaka? Dalo uh, yeah Wan-Bissaka was playing go, that's your answer man yeah, Wan-Bissaka was playing exactly and United off the ball they were very narrow so they sort of just let City play from the, the side and see what you can do they just wanted to be compact and narrow but Bernardo Silva he just killed us, essentially, you know? Well, I guess no ch- no choice, right? I mean, if you want to play narrow, I guess even though you know City we normally attack from the flanks, but like if you leave the middle yeah, open... Yeah, like you see, if you all remember the first goal that City scored, somehow Bernardo Silva squeezed the ball past three United players, you know, that the, somehow, like, that one I think maybe United would be unlucky. But three players trying to block you, you cannot block the pass, you know? And he just came from the left, De Bruyne just, you know, he did in from in the box. Second goal, it was um, Anthony Langa. He couldn't even, you know, make that pass. Within, in our own half, we made that mistake. We conceded. The third goal, uh, Mares was just waiting at the edge of the box. Beautiful ball from De Bruyne. He scored. The fourth goal, I, I can't even remember how we went in, but... I, th- I think it just shows how big a gap it is, right? To compete with City 
by putting 11 men behind the ball and to compete with City on the front foot. Exactly. Do you see what I mean? Exactly. So like you know Ole and stuff had really good success when he was trying to be very defensive. When he knew his place lah. When he knew, when he knew yeah, yeah. Yeah. and you think you know people that. think oh what just you know just be front foot ah just you know no just press them just yeah. be aggressive. Yeah. That gap the in space is open up is yeah. not yeah. Uh, something which can be addressed weeks like I don't think it can be addressed in a season. Yeah. You know exactly. so when you see teams like Liverpool teams like Chelsea you go toe to toe with City you really know that gap in quality is huge and it's apparent you know it's so apparent like you see we talked about the united versus liverpool fixture where united uh, liverpool won 5-0 uh, when did united become a pressing team <laughs> when did united become a pressing team remember the way they played against liverpool yeah. why the hell did they suddenly want to attack and try to dominate uh, possession and and press and you know so it just fired back in their face like essentially and this is what happened lah in the in the city game So yeah, sorry. The focus is on City. I'm rambling about United. So anyway, uh, that game, yeah, City won comfortably. But against Crystal Palace, they dropped two crucial points uh, that they should have won. And then now, um, they're just one point ahead. And Liverpool are turning up the heat. Remember two months ago when we said, yeah, yeah. Did we, we make a reel on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we wrote it off. It's not, it's, and it's not just our opinions. I was looking at the. Probabilities, right? You know, mm. people have their different models and odds and things. January first, the odds of City and the odds of Liverpool winning mm. the gap was huge, and now you've just seen it narrow and narrow and narrow over yeah. the last three months. But I think that the the Crystal Palace result is, you know, like you said, like you have to be perfect against City. But I think there's a large, large, large degree of luck, because if you watch that game. Yeah, City dominant. Yeah, I just don't know. Don't know how City score. didn't score. How right? the ball didn't go in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. and that could happen to a Liverpool game. And that could yeah, happen yeah. to a Liverpool game. But you, like luck. I said, you still have to have a large degree of luck. Yeah, you of know, course. and if it's the type of thing, if you play City ten times, maybe you get lucky once. Yeah, you know that's how good they are, and that's what Pep has built this team to be—to be in control. That's what he always. That's his. Fear, you know, being out of control. That's why he yeah. plays a team full of midfielders. Yeah, yeah. He you just know, wants all co- about yeah, yeah. control. All about he yeah. wants to be uh, influencing the outcome. You leave yeah. nothing to chance. You know. And this game, right? Usually, City, if they w- if they struggle in a game against a low block or what, they're not going to create that many goal scoring chances. You But know. But they did this time. But they did this time. But so yeah, they, was, did yeah, they didn't score. And post match, also, Pep was like, "Oh, I was very happy." You know how sarcastic he is, like. When, Sometimes you know the results don't go their way. Oh, yeah. I love how they play. I don't expect anything better and all that. I think he does. But he this does game, I think it's valid, lah. This game, yeah. I think it's valid, lah. Yeah, but he's a So yeah, lah. So okay, you see, they didn't they didn't score one goal or so on that game. So I'm gonna bring back this question: Do City still need a striker or not? No, I think that's a very. I mean, have we passed that already? Yeah, I, I think, think that's established. Yeah. They don't. It's, 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 Well, if, if you want to talk about the sustained amount of uh, fixtures where they really struggle to score, and you know they really that that's just not the case. Like we said, they had lots of chances against Palace, you know, and it was just sometimes that's variance lah. That's you know XG and stuff. Things yeah, are like I don't think finishing has been an issue. No, it's not an year, issue. Yeah, I think it's very so easy sort of your da sort of opinion. Of, oh yeah, they didn't score. That's why they didn't strike. No lah. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's just not. Yeah, based on the evidence this season. And you think you know we come and sit here and think they need a striker? You don't think Guardiola one of the best managers in f- yeah, football? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not like he doesn't have the resources. Yeah, you know yeah. What I, mean? It's, well, I think he's past Harlan, that. Already, well, Harlan next season. So yeah. 
<laughs> but I don't know lah. I think that's unfair lah. I think that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> what if Alan does that? <laughs> sanction, sanction, sanction. <laughs> sanction him. Yeah. So the upcoming fixtures. So they play Burnley before I think the biggest game of the season for me. Uh, City versus Liverpool. I think I'm more excited for that game than the United Liverpool game. In fact, and then after they play Liverpool, they yeah play... because in that game you can't lose. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> then after they play Liverpool, they play Brighton. So next three fixtures, uh, one tricky one in the middle. So I think that pretty much uh, wraps up for our Man City segment, and uh, we'll uh, wrap up the uh, review segment with our final team, Arsenal. I think the favourites to to finish fourth, I think according to the bookies as well, uh, they are three points clear of Spurs, four points clear of United with a game in <laughs> a hand. Painful pot for you to host, man. Right? Talking yeah. about City and then I think uh, United I think and then Arsenal. Like uh, like uh, a good friend of mine said the other day, you know, I think Arsenal leaps and bounds ahead of United. <laughs> this you know? is really not letting that statement go. He's <laughs> yeah. taking it very personally. <laughs> so, Kaiser said it twice. I've heard it about five times. <laughs> So <laughs> Will you name this person? Maybe he's podcast? right. Maybe he's actually right. So, Rahul, maybe you want to cover their, their latest two fixtures. I think uh, over the recent two games, so we're talking about Liverpool. They played Liverpool first midweek and then they played Aston Villa. You can see where they are as a Premier League club and where they should be, right? So, they're in fourth spot and I think they are deservedly. So, this is not a fluke. This is not like they've got you know, three games played more. I think they are probably the fourth best team in England currently. And you can see that from the performance as well. So when I say they're the fourth best team in England, I think there's still a massive gap between them, Chelsea, City and Liverpool. And that was evidenced by the Liverpool game. Mm. But still, I think the important thing and the most encouraging thing with an Arsenal fan is the progression, right? They've played Liverpool four times this season. And that game midweek, you know, Kaiser was on the Liverpool group chat with me where we all, you know, we, we talk about games and stuff. And I said that fir- first, first whole half. first half, I was saying, these guys are on top of us. They restricted the space. They didn't let the counter press occur. They were so brave on the ball throughout the team. And, you know, that's not something which, like we said, when we talk about United and trying to implement aggressive style of play, that's not something you can do overnight. Yeah, You know, Since this is coaching. something where... Coaching, good coaching is really evident. You know, Ateta then goes on and I think this way you identify the gap where they need to be aiming for. He said, you know, we were a better team between the boxes, which I largely agree. But in the boxes, that's where games of football are won, right? And that's where they were mm. a bit poor. Ramsdale, arguably, been very good for them this season, but really shouldn't be beaten at his near post yeah. by Jota. Terrible goal against him. Maybe you can give Jota credit that he did early, surprised the keeper, yeah. but still probably not. You compare it then with Allison safe with Odegaard. Yeah, yeah. that was that clutch. That is clutch, man. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Thiago suicide ball there by your keeper, and not for the first time, uh, Allison. You know that's you know that's a big difference uh, between the finishing and the saves. So you say in the boxes, maybe that's where they need to improve, and that will come with time, I think. Mm. But I think you really need to look at where Arsenal have been and where they're going. You've already sort of highlighted how poor they were beginning of the season. Yeah. You know, we were criticizing them of trying to play from the back. You know, why does he keep on being persistent with this type of play? Why is he signing Ramsdale for 30 million? Yeah. All these type of things. But then, then they go up against Villa midweek. Yeah. They go up against Villa, who are a decent team. Yeah, really good, good squad. Yeah. They've got some really impressive wins under their belt. Yeah. And dominate them again. And dominate them without Martinelli, who, by the way, what, what a, a player. player. 
do it without Ramsdale for Leno, who let's hates frank, playing from the back. Hates, hates playing from the back, yeah. and he's also a big sort of step down in performances that we've seen from both these keepers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramsdale is, you know, arguably a big step up there. But you see, the team still does what they need to do. do. Yeah. Villa don't have a shot on goal until dying minutes, you know. Mm. And that's not, you know, that's not something to be scoffed at. And that's where you see the difference. They are there in fourth place because they are much better. Yeah. By from the you know compared to the the the, the other sort of thirteen teams, sorry, ten teams, but maybe not quite there. Mm. In the cities, the top three. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. why I was talking to Vis the other day. And I was talking to a few people, and I said, right, when it comes to Champions League spots, now when I think about it from a Liverpool point of view, I'd rather United get the fourth spot than Arsenal. Because Arsenal, you can see a progression there. Yeah, you can see if they put some top-notch players where they need to be. I think maybe Lacazette needs a bit, of, maybe can be yeah. replaced. Maybe a right back, Tommy Asu has had his mm. injury problems. Maybe another top. Yeah, because they'll get they'll get the finances. That's a top right? team, man. They'll get the yeah, finances. Yeah. That's from a top team, you know. So if you're yeah. thinking from a opposition point of view, you don't want them to get that fourth spot, but they're famous for it and they deserve it. And when we compare United, I think when we made our predictions for the top four, we said United we can get away with uh, just having a lot of top class players. But I think yeah. maybe that's a. But you know, for some reason, assumption. I th- I don't know why. You still, I still think United will somehow finish fourth because of the points we I made last time. So where Arsenal have a lot of inexperience and those kind of things. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I, I, I. That's what I think. But that's a different topic altogether. So against um against Liverpool, Raúl, I think you've pretty much covered that that game, right? But how how they pretty much dominated the first half, I would say. And uh, even against Villa, um, I think this win was needed, you know, especially with uh, Spurs beating Brighton. I think they were, they were in the mix, right? Yep. And yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. So there's something I want to touch on though, like um, the they've been getting a lot of slack for celebrating. La. I mean, if you win a game, you should be able to celebrate. La. So what are your thoughts on that? Like the excessive celebration? Yeah, I think, and it's to the point uh, that I mean, you see a few more on Twitter. There's no, no surprise. No surprise, right? You don't really think. But it's players who are complaining about it. So Neves has a go at them after they beat Wolves. And then Ashley Young makes a comment on it. I think, what the hell's wrong? Yeah, you win the game. People laugh celebrate at these things, you know. People laugh at, oh, why? Why are you celebrating fourth place as a trophy? Look at when Arsenal used to consistently finish Arsenal fourth. Arsenal finished eighth two seasons in a row, lah. So fourth for them is big. Yeah, I would celebrate massively if we finish fourth. Didn't you celebrate last season when Liverpool finished fourth? Like with Alisson's header and all? No, we finished I mean, third, you mean? Yeah, you finished third, sorry. <laughs> like no, at the time, I remember. Yeah. No, like you have to, I think you have to, enjoy. I mean, I so I think I'm, I am definitely guilty of this, right? Where you sort of look at opposition <laughs> fans in bitterness and you say, it's just a League Cup, bro. It's, it's just the FA Cup, bro. It's you, okay, yeah, so, yeah. so what? But, but what's the point of... Uh, Supporting a team. So you only celebrate when you win the league and you win the Champions League. Champions League yeah, so what, sad, 99% of your life you're just miserable supporting yeah. your team? No, you have to. Uh, you have to yeah, celebrate these teams. The thing is with this, Arsenal were not seen to be the favourites for fourth player. Right? So they have that fire like basically like, trying to yeah. prove people wrong. They're playing against... They're trying to fight for fourth place against Spurs, United, like so many teams fighting for yeah. one spot. So, yeah. I mean, this means a lot. I think the um, the opposition players are just sour. La. They just don't like... No, of course. La, of course but no one likes to lose, right? Losers. But then, What's important from Arsenal's point of view is buy-in and when you are on a journey, when you can see what the goal is, when you see you're making progress towards the goal, that's uh, yeah. that's, fo- that's what we are in it for, right? Exactly. That's what we're in it for, you know? Yeah. And most of the times when you're sort of disillusioned with it and you're like, why the hell am I wasting time following a team that no one cares about? Is when you sort of don't know where you are, you don't know what you're working to. You People want something. People want a 
a goal to work towards. You know, you want fourth place is a tangible goal. Premier League is a tangible goal. So I I think fair play to them. Why not, man? Yeah. Now you know we look back at the decisions like with Ozil, with Aubameyang, with Saliba. I think now it looks like wow, well done, Ateta. You know, at the time, of course, not so much slack. And then uh, Edu came out uh, with a video at the time. Oh, remember? Man. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that time explaining yeah. this is the process we trust him and things like that. So at that time it was a bit shaky, but now he looks like a genius, lah. No, what position as a captain as well to yeah, strip exactly. him off and set him off like that. And what does that cultivate? Buy-in once again. Yeah. Fair. Shit, look at this player. He made this tough decision. Yeah. yeah. All right. All the other players we trust will him. Be, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tr- same thing. Ferguson fucked off Beckham, fucked off Yamstam. Did anyone say anything? No, because this is the top guy. He's made a decision. We stick with him. What's his stance on the enigma that is Jaka uh, now? Actually, Jaka still in the he's team. He's playing or? a lot, right? Yeah, and I think he's quite pivotal. Uh, he's been up and yeah, down yeah, yeah. a lot. So that's man interesting. Where his stance? La, man is, management yeah. is so underrated in football, and I think Arteta is doing well. I think with some Arsenal fans' opinion, he's a bit too strict with things. But I don't know from an external point of view. Probably the Arsenal players. He's bang it. on, man. My opinion, I think he's bang on. So, I think that pretty much wraps up the Arsenal segment. So, they play Crystal Palace and then uh, away, sorry. And then they play Brighton at home. And then they play Southampton away. I think all these three fixtures, I think Arsenal can win. Like, uh, like when, when I talk about Arsenal now, it's, uh, Arsenal are a good team, man. They're a good team, lah. You know, there's no denying that. And yeah, so that pretty much wraps up our review section. So, we'll catch you at the break um, after this. We'll discuss Man United and Leicester. Alright, so the first fixture that we want to preview in this segment um, are Man United versus Leicester. So, Man United play at home to Leicester in this fixture. And um, just um, overall, for both teams, I think they've disappointed in their own way, uh, considering the fact that Leicester, uh, on the back of last season... You know, winning the FA Cup, things like that. You know, we, I I at least expected quite a bit from Leicester, not to be fourteen points off Europa to League, finish above Liverpool. Yeah, right? again lah, we're gonna bring that up. So, and United, of course, you know, after we beat Leeds five one, I thought we we're gonna be challenging for mm. twenty one. Buying Ronaldo at the start, yeah. So all that hype. Both teams, in their own right, have disappointed, massively lah. I would say. So, um, maybe Rahul, you want to shed some light on this topic? Yeah, I think you summarized that perfectly. You know, you go from one team that's supposed to be challenging for a title and the other team is supposed to be challenging at the least for a European spot. And both of them are way off like, where they should be. So, you know, pre-season, if you look at this fixture, you'll be thinking, wow, this is a fixture in the ap- sort of end of March, April segment, United, Leicester, this could be a huge yeah, tie. Yeah. But then now, if, you know, for all... Sense and purposes is almost irrelevant. Yeah, you know, for it's Leicester, almost for United, definitely, okay, for, definitely, yeah, for, definitely yeah, for Leicester. Yeah, 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 sorry. So definitely for Leicester. I, th- I will go with Leicester first. So they find themselves in sort of no man's land. I, you know, they're not going to get relegated, but they're also not going to qualify for Europa in a significant sense. Um, so for them, how do you approach this? You know, you think about things like play motivation. Yeah, we were talking about Arsenal, where there's a tangible goal you're working towards too, and you know that's what gets you going. What gets you going for this besides your just professional sort of uh, dignity and duty? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, what are you What are you trying to prove here? Maybe players who want to move in the summer, players who want a contract, and then player retention for next season. Huh? Yeah. Exactly. So Brendan so Rodgers, 
how does he get this group of players going? La? Yeah, and what's his future at Leicester? You know, that's another thing as well. They have to look at, is he going to stay? Is he going to leave? You know, Leicester really limbo la, right now. Exactly, and that's why it makes it very difficult to approach games, la, especially big games like this. And then you look at it from... Sort of yeah, goal. I mean, we praise Leicester for how well the club is run and stuff. Right? This is really where they have to show how well they are run. How they exactly. how they appoint the next manager, what kind of players they sell and bring in, and also this is a real test for that. And then you look at it from United's point of view, right? I would yeah. say, I mean, I think it's fair to say anything but Champions League qualification would be a failure of a season. Failure. There's no tro- no other trophies. We know that for sure. United yeah. aren't gonna be. They are gonna be trophyless this season. So the only tangible thing to go into next season on a positive note, right, is to finish fourth. Yes. Right. So yeah. let's talk about fourth now. Like we said, they're. F- Four points from Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken, with the game out of hand. So yeah. Arsenal have a game in hand. In hand and are four points ahead. And yeah. are four points ahead yeah. already. Yeah. We talk about, normally we talk about somewhere between 73 and 75 points for fourth place. Yeah. To achieve that, United have to be going at a rate of 2.5 points per game. Per game. Per game from now yeah. to the end of the season, right? Yeah. They've been going at a rate of 1.7. So yeah. where are they going to find this form? Yeah. Where are they going to find this form? Magically, yeah. You know, and again, it comes back to that, right? If you are United play players are not stupid, they can look at it and say, Arsenal are flying, Spurs mm. are doing pretty well. Yeah. What? What? So where? Where do we find this from? So then, then you need your senior pros. You know, that's what they brought Ronaldo in for, for this leadership, for this motivation. You got Harry Maguire, Rafa Varane. They're supposed to be top pros. But if you ask me, I don't, I don't think that's, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's that's a possibility, lah. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a bit bleak, but I think we have to be <laughs> realistic. <laughs> we have to if be anything, realistic. <laughs> if anything, United got something to play for, lah, in this fixture. I mean, like they should, they should go all out to try and win it, lah. Yeah, for sure. I you mean, know? you have to hope that you just have to do your part and then hope Arsenal can mess up. Yeah, I guess now there's no more distractions, no no other competitions whatsoever. It's just the Premier League, so you just have to take it. Game by game and see where we end up. I guess Ronaldo on the back of his hat. And the other thing, Ralph's not supposed to be there. Yeah. End of the season. Yeah. So, so again, how is he going to have any authority? Uh, like uncertainty. Yeah. Pl- like we talk about this. So players looking at it. This chap is not going to be. Yeah. There. He's yeah. not going to be. Yeah. He's like why? you're working for your boss, yeah. but your boss is not going to be well, here. You got charity. So like, <laughs> why should I work hard? Yeah. <laughs> so it's very, yeah both these teams. He yeah. said like you know, if if you uh, a fan at the beginning of the season, you look where you are now. I'd definitely be disappointed, but. Yeah, I mean, this this is where you can build momentum to bring into the next season, like, you know. Again, as a Liverpool fan, I remember be- before the 13-14 season where Liverpool challenged and came second in City, that run towards the end of the season, they didn't qualify for Europe or definitely they didn't qualify for Champions League, but they put together some top performances, some really good attacking football, and then that carries over, you know. So again, maybe we talk about tangible sort of goals, fourth place, blah, blah, that's tangible. Is the manager's... Uh, job now is the top pros at the club's job now to make goals which are not so obvious let's yeah. look let's look like we can implement a great press let's look to be scoring this amount of goals by the end of the season let's look to pick up points against these players yeah. that's the important part yeah. then if they can do that maybe they can pick up a few results and bring it into next season la. but I'd be very surprised if they finish I'd fourth. be very surprised also you know the, the saddest thing right is you know after the, the exit from the Champions League like you see how Arsenal are playing now and you see how everything is coming to fruition for them, like the rebuild whatsoever. With United, for me, I, I don't know why. You ju- it just feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Like, it's the same old, same old. Lah. You know, if we finish fourth, okay, Champions League, 
next season, what is there? What assurity is there? It's not going to be the same shit show again, you know? So that's, like you said, you know, like you're, you won't be surprised. I mean, you'll be surprised if, if suddenly things pick up and, you know, turn for the better. So that's exactly how I feel as well. So I think um, that pretty much <laughs> wraps up that picture. So we really want to discuss the Man City uh, versus Liverpool game. But I think because due to time factor and because if we were to do it now, we'd be rushing through it. So we've decided, um, since we're all in person, so we just discussed this. So <laughs> we've decided to dedicate one pod entirely for this fixture because, guys, I think this is arguably the biggest fixture of the season, you know. So we want to be doing it justice. And um, because of that, I think we can still do our score predictor. We'll just do it for this one fixture, if that's okay. The Man United and then the versus Leicester. So the City versus Liverpool game will catch you in the next pod for that fixture. So. How how do you see this game going, guys? United, Leicester. Hmm. United playing at home, yeah? Rahul, you want to go first? I think like you said, I think that slight extra motivation will favour United. I think Leicester will have probably an eye on Conference League because at the end of the day, that is something they can work towards. It's still technically There's a European something trophy. Yeah. So I'd say 2-1 two, one, two, one to United. 2-1 to United. What about you guys? Huh? Interestingly, I think yeah, Leicester, despite not having anything to play, maybe there's always that argument that there's less pressure. They're trying something yeah. and United seem to sometimes crack under uh, pressure now that they're pushing for the fourth spot. So I think there might be a surprise result. Probably a draw, 1-1. A draw, huh? I'm going to go with a 2-0 uh, for United. I don't think Leicester have it. Harry Maguire masterclass. Uh, wow. <laughs> correct. But I have well, Harvey Barnes. No, Masterclass, that's for sure. <laughs> Do you, you have Harvey Barnes, right? Yeah, PLT. Harvey so Barnes. that's where the one is coming from. La. But probably bench him, right? Because <laughs> United going to win, bro. Ah, 2-1, yeah, right. man. <laughs> okay, guys. I think that was a, a fun pod. A very nice one to record. Uh, we're speaking in person. So hopefully, the, yeah, the next one will record in person as well. And um, yeah, we'll catch you in the next pod. United, I mean, sorry, Liverpool versus City. And that's the Baller Boys. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs>